Well, hello, and welcome to All The Way Alive, the podcast for accomplished humans age 45 plus who want to squeeze all the available living and adventure out of this lifetime, the one you have right now. I'm your host and facilitator, Susan Sutherland, former C-suite executive turned coach and thought partner for Humans 45 Plus, committed to bringing their long-held dreams to fruition and to being all the way alive in this season. I also co-own and operate a ranch and retreat center in rural South Africa. In this podcast, we're going to explore what it means to continue to grow, learn, and evolve into more of who we are meant to be as individuals and as fellow humans as we age. In short, we'll have juicy conversations about what it means to age well and to be all the way alive, especially after the age of 45. Please note, there will be lots of laughter and swears. So let's dive in, shall we? Well, hello, fabulous humans, and Happy New Year to you. Welcome back to All the Way Alive. It's already well into January, but that's okay. Over here, I'm feeling so much new and want to share some of that with you. Besides, the Austral Calendar New Year doesn't start until January 21st or 22nd, which of course happens to be when I'm recording this. So there's that. In the last episode of All the Way Alive of 2023, so very last year, I shared some of the ways I think about the new year, the practices and rituals I have at year end, and the ones I use to prepare for the new year. Honestly, I can't remember whether I described some of the things I talked about as experiments, but I really want to affirm that here. One of my desires for 2024 is to be looser about trying things and to frame more things as experiments. And even so-called important big things that I'm invested in get to be called pilots. Somehow, when we pilot something, we give ourselves permission to make progress without hanging the moon on the process or the outcome. It helps me maintain my equanimity so I don't get sucked into being scared of doing what I need to or want to. I believe in envisioning and planning broadly and audaciously and then holding the outcomes lightly. So let me dive in with a few things I might have already shared in that pre-holiday solo podcast and add some new thoughts around them, because who even remembers? Specifically, I want to share a nine-step planning process, an approach to planning with a twist at the start. I also want to share my words of the year and why I choose them every year. Truth is, mostly it's because I'm discovering the ways in which implementing my intentions is working, and in some cases not working for me, necessitating some adjusting, that has caused me to rethink and conceptualize the process that I've used, and I want to share that with you here. Over the Christmas holidays, I did some joint planning sessions, co-working and then debriefing our plans and ideas with both a friend-slash-client and then a different friend-slash-colleague, the latter of who is also a coach. Both of those sessions taught me a lot. By the way, I'm a great believer in the power of co-working. New to the concept, it's a joint Zoom call where you check in at the top, commit to what you're working on, and then going on mute and working on the thing with the Zoom still running. At the end of the time, you pick how long that is with your coworker. you debrief what you worked on in any way that feels helpful. The business coaching mastermind I'm in has co-working sessions. 
I co-work with a friend on the East Coast when either of us feels the need for structure and progress. And in early January, I co-worked with yet another friend as we tackled our messy closets. And I did these co-working planning sessions in December to really great effect. But what I especially loved about my co-working planning sessions was introducing a new element into the process, a first step, really, of anticipating feelings and body sensations. I know that most of us, especially if if we have worked in formal organizations, start with what needs or wants to get done. These are goals that are out there, set from on high, and typically we work backwards from them to figure out how we're going to get them done. It's not a bad way to go, but it leaves so much on the table while reinforcing the get it done part of the work and not so much the how you'll get it done. And I saw so much damage being done to both process and people in the pursuit of goals without attention to the humanity of colleagues. That aside, and to be fair, many organizational goals can be hard to connect to on a visceral level to engage with by more than your brain. That said, we typically all have our personal goals for our professional lives and personal goals for our life writ large. It's to those goals I want to speak here. I think most of us do tend to, quote, start with the end in mind, unquote, one of my favorite Stephen Covey aphorisms. And it is there that I see an opening for expanding the impact of our goal setting and for moving towards our dreams through our planning process. I start with considering how I want to feel, which is a twist on the end in mind. How will I feel as I'm doing well and making progress on my goals? How do I want to feel at the end of my journey? And what are the energetic words that come up for me? For example, I might want to feel grounded and steady, clear on my efforts, and deeply inspired and in process as a human with my goals. I want to be curious as much about who I am becoming as I do my work, as I am about how my work and my services get out into the world and and make an impact. I'm guided by two beliefs here. First, that how we want to feel is an essential component of planning that will come through to resonate because it is attached to my feelings, which come through my body. It is where I can feel my why. And second, and importantly, my planning doesn't end there. It pushes off from there. I'm going to digress for a moment and ask, where do you keep your why? Where do you keep the, where do you store the core reason you do what you do? Is it in your mind, your body, both? Is it on a post-it note? How much of your heart is contained in your why? And I'm just kidding about the post-it note, although they do help. Just a little food for thought there. And now I'm going to take a quick break from my soliloquy here and invite you to join me for a free masterclass. If you're interested in what I'm sharing here and want to join my class, Embodied Planning, Setting Goals with Your Mind, Body, and Spirit, it's scheduled for Tuesday, 13th of February at 9 a.m. Pacific. I'll walk you through the process so you can do it live and share some of the behind the scenes reasons why this might work for you. Already locked and loaded with your goals for the year? Good for you. Come anyway 
and refresh your plans from a different vantage point. It's an experiment, right? The link to sign up for the class is in my show notes and is also in my link tree on Instagram and LinkedIn. Now back to my soliloquy already in progress. So again, I start with how I want to feel and try to imagine both how I feel as I'm making progress and how I feel when I've accomplished all the things I set out to. Both require imagination. They require some attention to mind and body, to the mind and body connection. In short, envisioning and allowing myself to imagine my success and how that will feel in my body. This isn't easy for all of us, especially the part about imagining how things will feel in our body. But it's an interesting exercise, and I believe it allows us to connect more deeply to our work and to our goals. If we can remember, as we are going, what, what it felt like when we envisioned our success, that feeling can guide us forward. It can continue to be real for us. So I realized as I was prepping this episode that I can frame this process as a series of nine steps that can repeat themselves in part or in full, depending on what you learn as you go about the things you do. So giving this some structure and applying some energetic verbs, the nine steps are one, imagining, two, feeling, three, noticing, four, naming, five, claiming, six, braining, seven, experimenting, eight, reflecting, nine, adjusting. This probably sounds really elemental or incredibly confusing or both. So let me say a little more. You start by imagining yourself having the best day a year from now and picturing who you are and how you feel in that moment as you're reflecting on your successes from the year and exploring the feelings of what it feels like to be you. How do you feel in your body when you're feeling that success? This is also the time for noticing whatever is true for you, specifically in that moment. Maybe it's the way you're carrying yourself. Maybe it's the tilt of your head or the clothes you're wearing that look different in the future. And then to give names to the thoughts, the feelings, the sensations, and the pictures that you saw. The naming step is about the meaning you make out of what you notice. Once you have some clarity about how you feel, you can claim the circumstances that created those feelings. What did you do to get to that day? What actions did you take? What mindset did you lean into? And can you begin to replicate those here and now? This will capture the jumping off place for the more traditional planning process, what I have called braining. This is where you leverage your brain power to connect the dots between your felt sense of you in the future against the outcomes that had you feeling that way. And then working backwards to identify the pieces and parts and the small steps you plan to take over the year. But wait, we're not done. And here's where it gets good, especially because you'll be experimenting and bringing an experimental outlook to everything you do. Believing deeply in your desired outcome while holding the process to get there very lightly. You'll try something. Maybe it'll go well. 
maybe you'll think, hmm, this isn't getting me where I want to go. I should do more or I should change. So you adjust as you go. And as you move forward, you notice what works as well as what doesn't. Reflecting and adjusting your strategies and actions as, as you go. Honestly, this feels to me a bit like the agile methodology used particularly with teams in the tech world and with project management. Short, decisive sprints of action against goals, then a pause to review and adjust for the next sprint. What isn't included in the agile methodology, of course, is the part about what it feels like when you imagine your success and use that to set the goals. So in addition to this iterative and circular process of envisioning, experimenting, reflecting, and adjusting, I reflect on which words or words, which word or words will be my word of the year. Having a word of the year can feel like looking for a needle in a haystack. There are so many words. I trust that certain words will start to repeat themselves around me, asking, if you will, for attention. Sometimes the word just comes to me, as my primary word did for me this year. Importantly, the word of the year ought to be a word that inspires or reflects or amplifies what you hope for in the year ahead. I'm a big believer in them because while they don't define what the year will look like, they set a tone and set capture the intention as I navigate the year. Sometimes the word focuses on an area I want to shore up, a weakness or an area I want to get strong in, or reinforce. Sometimes it's something I want to focus on or to use as a filter. It's also a touch point, a frame of reference for reflection throughout the year. And in that way, it can be a thing that is profoundly impactful and also sometimes just a curious thing to think about. I find the words of the year useful always, and they end up surprising me in ways I didn't anticipate. My word, my primary word for 2024 is love. The world is a mess. There's too much hate and violence and fear and war. And I believe that the only antidote for what is broken is love. In early December, I woke up in the middle of the night with words clearly articulated in my head. Who would I be if I loved myself? Who would I be if I truly believed I deserve all that I aspire to? It was a profound night of the soul moment, and it was difficult to get back to sleep. For someone who thought I already believed deeply in myself, this was a reminder that I perhaps had an upper limit in place, and it was time to break through that limit. It was also a realization that I haven't led with self-love and care when it comes to my health, as one glaring example, if I loved myself, I would take better care of myself. It's just that simple. And it's hard to argue with that. I think about the choices we make daily and imagine who I'd be in those moments if love came first. If love was the filter through which I acted. I know that I bring love to my coaching practice, even if I don't say it out loud. I want my clients to feel seen and heard, deeply tended, and I believe it's a powerful kind of love right there. If we bring a loving presence to the world, how can that not make a difference if only within ourselves? I found myself in a traffic jam the other day, muttering under my breath and cursing 
yes, genuinely cursing at the bad drivers around me and realized if I was approaching that whole moment with love, how would I feel and how would I behave towards the drivers around me? It was a good moment of reflection. And I noticed that I wasn't living up to my intentions. So there it is. My word of the year is love. I have two other words for 2024, clarity and community, both of which connect to and relate related to and are supported by the word love. I believe that leading with love will lead me to greater clarity, greater clarity of purpose, of self, and of possibilities, and absolutely of ways of bringing light and, pos- and positive change to the world. And leading with love will, I hope, connect me more directly with community. While I don't miss a lot about working in corporate or living full-time in the city, I do miss the teams of people I saw and worked with every day. I miss the in-person connections I had before the pandemic. I'm guessing this resonates with most people listening. Even if, like me, your introverted self is just so happy. Well, this was fun for me. And I've shared with you what I wanted to share with you, dear audience, because I have learned so much over the past few months about myself, my goals, and how to live more vibrantly into my dreams. I've spoken about the value and importance of connecting to your feelings and body sensations as major reflections and inputs to planning and to taking action. I've also talked about bringing a spirit of experimentation to the doing to taking action so we can always be learning, adjusting, and still making progress. And lastly, I've shared my belief in the power of having a word, or in my case three, of the year as guiding intentions for all the year may bring. I trust some of this is useful to you. Let me know, I'd love to hear from you. I'll be back in two weeks with another guest and I can't wait to share our conversation. Until then, be all the way alive. And that's a wrap on this episode of All the Way Alive, the podcast for accomplished humans 45 plus who want to squeeze all the available living and adventure out of this lifetime. I'm Susan A. Sutherland, and I'm so glad you've joined me here. If you enjoyed listening, you can support me in this podcast by subscribing to future episodes, leaving a review and giving the podcast five stars, and sharing it with your friends and colleagues. I'd love to talk about more things that matter to you. So please reach out and let me know what's on your mind, and I'll put your ideas in the hopper for potential future episodes. Until next time be all the way alive.